when film criticism is as provocative as ever, Feelin' Film ventures to change the discussion from what we hate about a film to what we love about it. We judge more on emotional experience than technical merit, because every movie makes us feel something. Hello everyone, and welcome to the second of our two belated donor picks. This one for the month of July. Hopefully, by the time you hear this, we will still be in your good graces and be anticipating our regularly scheduled donor picks resuming later this month. But for now, welcome to this minisode on the 2012 feature film debut of director Colin. I'm going to build a new dinosaur park, and I don't care what you say, Trevorrow. And with me is my time-traveling partner, Aaron. Hey, buddy. Hello from the future. (laughs) For this episode, we didn't feel like we could do this film justice by ourselves. So we brought in some assistance in the form of our friend and contributor to the show, Mr. Steve Clifton. Hey, Steve. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me on. So, as we always do in the show, mini-sode, episode, any-sodes that we do, this is a spoilerific podcast, and so if you haven't seen this movie, shame on you. But if you haven't, go see it and then come back for a lively discussion on this film. You have been warned. So why don't we go ahead and dive right in. All right. First of all, guys, this is a film that I think all three of us can say is a winner. I think we all enjoyed it the first times we watched it. What were your initial impressions after watching this? Steve, why don't we start with you, buddy? Um, I really liked this film a lot. The first time I saw it, uh, it's about five years old. So it's probably been four and a half years since I initially saw the film. And, and I was just starting to... Uh, warm up to the ambiguous ending films. I wasn't a fan in, in the day, but I was warming up to it. And the ending of this, really, I really enjoyed it. And, and you said we're into spoilers. So, you know, we, we get to actually see what we can presume is perhaps they time traveled. We, we don't know, but there's evidence there to suggest that maybe they did. But it, it's the themes of the film that led up to this point that really sort of hit home for me. And I, I enjoyed it quite immensely. Great. What about you, Aaron? Well, the first time I saw this movie, I really, really enjoyed it. I remember being kind of swept away by the dialogue, and I'm a sucker for a witty script in the first place. And I I just loved the way in which the characters had banter. That's one of the things that draws me to this style of film. I love time travel movies, so that was kind of a big hook for me as well. But come to find out, not really what this is about. So, I don't know. I... I really, I enjoyed it. I remember feeling like I enjoyed the movie. And then it just kind of faded away from me. And upon our second, my second viewing, I just don't feel the same way about it. I did not have the same excitement around watching this film. I I felt kind of bland and bored. And while I still thought it was kind of well done, I didn't find myself smiling or laughing hardly at all. And it was just like, okay, that was a movie I watched, and now it's over. And I'm not sure why that is, and it kind of kind of made me sad, to be honest, because I, I liked it when I had the happier and more excited reaction to this movie the first time I saw it. Right. You know, films like this, and like any that we we as people, not just but us as podcasters, what we value is the rewatchability. And I remember the first time that I watched this, it was recommended by a director friend of mine, and I said. I'm interested in some newer movies, things that aren't necessarily on the big blockbuster radar. What would you recommend? And he threw this my way. I 
I, I popped it in and I, I found myself feeling the exact same way that, that you guys did, just falling in love with the dialogue, finding myself smiling and laughing out loud at certain points. Characters were easy to fall in love with. They were easy to get to know. And I like that this is a movie that doesn't feel pretentious, but that has one of those stories that feels fresh. It feels inviting. And so on my recent viewing of it, I walked away feeling kind of the same way that I did the first time. But like you, Aaron, I didn't feel the the magic. What I did find pulling away from this was a better appreciation for the art of storytelling. This film is coming at a time for me when I have thought about how stories are told and how ideas are threaded in various stories. And I look at this and I think I could write a story like this. This feels like a story that comes out of a basic idea, out of a basic premise that, that they have just sort of molded into something that tells a different story because it's not just a time travel story. It's not just a road trip movie. It's a lot of things. In some ways, it even feels a little bit like coming of age. And so watching this and kind of exploring it from those different angles, it makes me kind of want to revisit it a few more times and look at it from those different things. Steve, did you pick up on that as you've watched it recently for, for this episode? Um, yeah, th I mean, this this played pretty much just as well as it did, did for me the first time I saw it. I've seen it three times now. Aaron, I'm, I'm curious to, to your point about you're, you're a fan of time travel, and I, I would argue that that this isn't really a movie about time travel and, and maybe the second time going into it, realizing that the time travel is really just a means to an end here. And, and, and knowing that going in that, that maybe that altered your perception of it a little bit uh, the second time around. Um, and to your point about, you know, you, know, you could write this. I, I agree with you, Patrick, this, this seems like a pretty simple premise. Um, and, and there, the hook was already built in. I mean, this, this is, this is based off an actual advertisement that was in the papers um, and, and they just built a narrative around it. But yeah, I, I'm seeing it pretty much the same way. And it, it has a lot to do just with the performances, with the, with the sharp dialogue, with the, uh, with the internal themes of the film that, that really captured me. And I, I can put the time travel stuff aside and just sort of and let it play out, let the characters play out, let the emotions play out. And that's, I think that's why it works, uh, maybe works a little better for me um, on repeat viewings. So can I ask then, did you guys find yourselves emotionally invested? Were you connected to these characters? Did you genuinely care what happened to them and about their journeys? Yes. Maybe, maybe more, more specifically Aubrey Plaza's character Darius <laughs> than, than anybody else's. But, but yeah, to a point, all of them. I, I think these are everymen. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think there's, there's a lot to relate to here. And I think the underlying themes of, of grief and loss and regret and guilt is something that we can all feel. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think we all align with each one of those uh, emotions at, at some point in our lives. And, and I think there's a lot of that resonating through this film. Yeah. I think the characters themselves, I gravitate towards them because they don't feel thrown away. They don't feel like they were just written to be humorous centerpieces. Each character I think had their own particular arc and even though you know, I agree with you, Steve, that Darius and Kenneth, their relationship was one that stood out because they were sort of the driving force of the film. The secondary characters, if you want to even call them that, I think they were all equal in a lot of ways in terms of importance because of these themes that applied to each one of them in different ways. I, I liked that they all felt valuable. And I, I liked that not only did they feel valuable to me as a viewer, 
but they felt valuable to each other in different ways. And they weren't just there to make me laugh. I'm glad that happened. That was a great bonus for me. As a side note, there's a lot to be said about walking out going, man, I laughed so hard and I feel so good about that. But I think films like this have this great balance of making me laugh and getting me sort of into the world that I'm supposed to be watching. And then we have scenes within it that have heart behind them and they cause me to attract myself to these different characters. They are everyman. So I, I like that. I like that I can connect myself to each one of these in some way or another. I'm agreeing with your, your statement earlier. You said where, you know, Darius and Kenneth sort of drive the narrative and Jeff and Arno are bit players. But I would argue that all four of them need each other in order to drive each of their arcs forward. Just mm -hmm. a, a typical cliche Indian character, a throwaway character. But mm -hmm. he needs Jeff to complete his arc, and Jeff needs Arno to complete his arc. And Kenneth and, and Darius work sort of the same way. And both of the Jeff Arno characters bleed into the other two characters. And, and I think it's just, you know, it, as bit of a part as Arno would have, he's just as crucial to, to the emotional sentiment of the film. Aaron, do you agree with that, or do you have a different opinion? Um, you know, I, I, I'm not a fan of Jeff and Arno, okay? And that's, I think that's part of what soured me a little bit on the film this this time around the problem that i have with jeff is that in a film that kind of prides itself on being this real down-to-earth look at characters he is an absolute stereotype in every way he is this guy who hasn't gotten over things in the past he's kind of dealing with these issues and he's covering them all up by drinking and, and having sex and just generally just being a jerk to people. And the the whole reason that Arno gets picked in the first place because he's just the token Indian character in the room, right? There just happens to be there as an intern. One of the interns has to be someone of a different ethnicity because that would be, <laughs> you know, he couldn't just be anybody else. And so I know that that kind of works in certain scenes. And I'll say odd because I don't care for those two characters across the whole film but yet one of my absolute favorite scenes in the movie is when Jeff does eventually get Arno out and he's riding his go-kart and Jeff is like having this complete breakdown in his mm -hmm. go-kart right with his drinking and his smoking and just kind of losing it but I don't like the fact that it all is centered around like this idea of hey you're the Indian kid who is shy and so what we're going to do to make your life better is we're going to get you laid that's it's such a trope it's such a played out thing I just I don't like that <laughs> so that kind of bugged me a little bit this time around I, I don't feel like Arno was given enough of an, a role I thought he was a token he was used okay. more so to get Jeff where he needed to go than to genuinely change Arno for the better then that makes sense well and that may not be the that may not be yeah, the, I don't disagree with yeah that may and that may not be the theme or the idea that that this creative team is trying to get across is that everybody's going to feel better at the end of this movie that they're going through these different arcs what I think is interesting is that you're right he is a token character but I think that there's a place there, there's something valuable about having familiarity when you go into a movie and attaching yourself to familiar albeit stereotypes in order to build from that to bring them to a place of change. Now, whether or not that was successful, I, I obviously that sounds like it's up for debate, but I can support an idea where we, we start with familiarity and we grow characters from that in order to change in one way, shape, or form. I don't know that we got that with all four of them. Like, I don't think all four of these characters were stereotypes of this or that, but I do think that they started from a place of familiarity that we got sort of preconceived 
ideas, and as they rounded themselves out, they got more interesting. Of the four, I can definitely agree, his change or his arc was probably the weakest of the four. Yeah, and I think, I'll say this, there are, I don't want to say, I don't want to say, I'm not going to sit here and just complain about the film, because the film is, is, a, is a wonderful, charming little film. I think somewhat of some of my issues are also that it worked better once for me, and then it's not the type of experience that I can have over and over. And not every movie is going to be that way, right? Mm -hmm. Not every movie is going to be my La La Land that I can watch seven or eight times and have the same emotional response every single time. That is mm -hmm. that is rare. And for someone out there, that may be safety not guaranteed, and that is perfectly fine. And I will not ever, I would not ever argue with someone who said that. I would understand. Because if you're coming from a place where you deeply connect to one of these characters, you could potentially have a much more impactful response to this film, I think. And, it, and it's kind of weird because honestly, I live a life where I, I have some regrets too. I mean, we all have regrets, but I mean, I feel similar to some of these characters in a lot of ways. And it's one of the things I love most about this movie is that in essence, it's about how people live in the past with regrets that you can't change. And you have to learn how to live in the present where in reality, safety is not guaranteed. You're mm -hmm. going to get hurt. And in doing so, that's how you learn to deal with that past. And yeah. so I got that out of it, right? I mean, I, I get what he's putting down. So it is very well written. And the other thing I want to praise is Aubrey Plaza, because this is the movie that showed me she could carry a film. Like she could own it and take it and run with it. And so even though I don't necessarily love the premise of some of the things that she's chosen to do in her, like story-wise with other films, this one showed her acting chops are for real and that she was more than just that. Even though she's kind of like the same character she plays in a lot of stuff. But she's As a moody eye roll? Moody, sarcastic, <laughs> you know, snappy little, you know. She she had enough genuine emotional moments in this one to offset that that I was I was really kind of blown away by her. There's definitely a lot of a lot of Larry Aubrey Plaza in here. I mean, there's a lot of eye rolling and moodiness, but but you're right. She does. There are some points in here where we actually get to see her on a different level, digging digging a little bit deeper to get some emotion, more emotion out of her than we normally see. Mm -hmm. and, and I look to the to the one scene where uh, Kenneth plays. Uh, I don't remember what they call the instrument, but he plays that little song that he wrote for his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And I, I read something that he actually had to learn to play that instrument and learn that song. And she had actually never heard it before. They What you see on there was her first time hearing it. So that was kind of cool. I remember watching, I guess it was an interview with Trevorrow at SIF uh, a few years ago. And he was being asked about the spontaneity and finding balance between the scripted parts of the film and then letting these actors ad-lib a little bit. And I, I, I can't quote it directly, but essentially what he was saying was he had to find a genuine balance between finding ways to let them roll with what their acting chops would allow them to do in order to make their characters more genuine and at the same time be able to kind of hold them back and use the, the script as a means to, to drive a scene. But what was interesting was he didn't, he didn't say that he let them go during more comedic scenes to just ad lib. There were a couple of times when he said, I genuinely wanted some of these actors to, to roll ad lib dramatic moments. And I think some of that comes out. And that's where I really am attracted to the relationship between Darius and Kenneth, because there are moments they feel very genuine. 
I remember a particular scene when she's having the conversation with him and he opens up to her a little bit about his past and you see there's something in her face that changes. And at that moment, I realized, okay, we're getting the first kind of her genuine belief in his story, which I think as an audience, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to say, is this guy the real deal or is he a kook? What's going on here? And I think we're sort of following with with her to see if he's actually the real deal. And, and I feel like that conversation, I connected with that personally because I was kind of being turned at that point of saying, Hey, maybe he's got something here. Maybe he's not just some weirdo that put an ad in the paper. Um, and I thought that was great. You know, he says in one of the little home video snippets, he says the mission has to do with regret mistakes and the mission is also about love. And I think that line really, really um, is signifies what the overall theme of the film is. It's about how we deal with grief and how we deal with regret and mistakes that, you know, we see led each of these people uh, to this point in their lives. And, uh, and it, it, it's very cool how we've, you know, this, this crew and this cast have, have just brought um, this, they brought this story together to have each one of these characters kind of go through this. And that goes back to my idea of that each character doesn't feel like a throwaway. It doesn't feel like it was just added in for, for a, for a funny story beat or something that each one had value. So one of the other themes that we get and uh, you guys can, can chime in is this idea of nostalgia. You know, obviously when it comes to this idea of time travel, the underlying desire here is to go back. And there's a line um, where Kenneth says, it's not just about a girl. It's about a time and a place. And to me, that's my favorite line in the entire film because this elevates it from a romantic comedy adventure or whatever to more of a, um, it, it says a little bit more about what the film is is trying to get at in that he is elevating his experience of a particular time and place over a girl. And that was kind of my take. What did you guys think about that? Do you think that he was really trying to get back to that moment of how he felt or was he trying to get back to her? And what did you guys think? Um, I'll jump in here. Uh, yeah, nostalgia was one was a a word, a big word that I wrote in my notes here because that's exactly how I took it, um, and, and I feel like I relate to that. I mean, I'm a little bit older than you guys, um, and and the older, trust me, the older you get, the more you start thinking about or what you should have done differently. And that's not to say that I'm dissatisfied. Today. It's just, you know, there was back in the '80s. I'm a, I'm a kid of the '80s, so a lot of that resonates with me. Um, and, you know, I worked at Disney for nine years and that's where I, I met my would-be wife. It's where the, the majority of my friends still exist for me today are those that I met in that time. So there's fond memories of that. And, and, and I'll go down those paths from time to time. I'll sit around and watch some YouTube videos of, of old Main Street parades at Disney and all that stuff and just sort of, you know, think over in my head, man, those were pretty cool times. And, you know, there there are days where where I think all of us can can say, man, I wish it was just I wish we could just go back there for a day and just not have to worry about the problems of today and all that kind of stuff. 
So yes, I think I think they were going back for the girl, but but I think the girl was just a part of the overall experience. Um, you know, he loved the girl, but the girl was also part of that time. So you know, the, the nostalgia thing. The, the, I think that's exactly what what this movie is really about. Aaron, what about you? I wholeheartedly agree. I was over here nodding my head like crazy. I love that line, and I love that line for the exact same reasons. It's one of my favorite parts of the movie because it does elevate it, like you said. It takes it off of the typical romantic comedy issue or or, or romantic comedy chain of of storytelling. Of it's all about the girl. The girl is a major part of the life experience, like you were saying, Steve. It is not just her. It's all the things that came with this, the time in his life that included her. She mm. was a part of that and maybe a major part of that. But he clearly is not the man, the type of man who he was not so attached to her that it was there. There is a way in which you can hold on to a person so much that you let that person define everything. And I, I can speak about this from experience in my past. You can love someone so much that you start to have expectations that that person will be your everything and that person can't be your everything. Your spouse can compliment you and should compliment you and they should be a big part of your life. But we, we learned in that very simple sentence that that's that Kenneth, we learned that he wasn't, he did not think she was his end all be all, which is kind of what we had maybe thought up until this point. But we, we see there that it's not just her. It's, it's, it's everything about how life was before his world was changed and his, his whole way of life was turned upside down. So I thought that was great as well. Um, really, really enjoyed that direction of the story. I wonder, as, as we've watched this and we see the, the various characters go through their own moments of regret and own moments of nostalgia, I kind of wish Don was going to chime in on this because is the lesson here that nostalgia is a good thing that we should live in the past, that we should pursue the, the best times of our lives? Or is it that we should, is the lesson that we take away from this movie that time travel is not real, therefore there's no reason to try to go back and, and live that? What do you guys think? Do you think that the message is more of uh, it's okay to live in the past, that's probably find the best part of your life and try to live there as long as you can? Or is it about the past is just that and it, you were stuck with where you're at and you have to kind of be okay with that? Well, I think that really depends on the individual. Um, I mean, if you're if you're so consumed with the past because because your because your current or your future is so bleak, yeah, yeah, then then there's there's probably some underlying issues that need to be addressed. I don't think it hurts anybody to just think fondly of the past. Uh, like so, I think that's where I'm at in life. Is just you know, I had some good times back then, and I appreciate looking back on that. So I think for me, I think that that's fine. Other people, man, maybe a different story. Maybe there's a maybe there's serious regret and 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 things that happen in their lives currently that that are they're leading them down darker roads. So I, I think it's mm-hmm. an individual thing. I would personally say that I I find very little value in living in the past, in the sense that you let it direct your actions in the present. Um, it is one thing to remember things and to always have that knowledge present so that it informs you and helps you to make cha- changes, positive changes. But if, if we're talking about trying to 
stay in an in a past and and recapture a certain feeling that you had that was gone, then I I don't think that that hardly ever is going to be a positive thing. So. And that's, not and that's kind of what these you, guys are doing. You don't want to yeah. be uh, Rob Lowe and Saint Almost Fire. <laughs> you don't want to be. That. <laughs> that's a great. Yeah, that's a great. That's a great <laughs> analogy there. I, I would agree with both of you guys. I think that there's a balance that we have of being able to reflect and and not exist in in places that can inform who we are today and inform who we will be in the future. And I wrestle with this idea of, are there really regrets that we have? I mean, yes, in some ways, there are things that I've done in my past that I wish I hadn't. But if I'm looking at who I am today, and I celebrate some of those things, they were influenced by those mistakes that I made. So are they really regrets? And those are questions that I wrestle with as a part of who I am. And I think that that's hinted at maybe in here, but I think it's more... I think the themes of this film are more about going back to fix something. And I don't necessarily agree with that message, but at the same time, it's an entertaining type of thing. Is our past valuable regrets and all, or is our past valuable mistakes and all? And I think it's a good question to ask. And this, this movie, I think helps do that helps us ask that question in a more entertaining way. Now, Aaron, I know that you were intrigued specifically by the, uh, the true story about this film, and I, yeah. I, I, I kind of wanted to hear your, uh, your thoughts on that and, and share that with us. Well, Steve mentioned this earlier, that this idea for this film came basically off of a, a viral internet piece of news. And the interesting thing is that I did not know that until after I'd seen this movie twice. <laughs> so kudos to them, because I thought it was an intellectual property that you know Colin and the writers had come up with and uh, was just... You know, obviously they did come up with the story around it, but I, the idea, the hook, uh, came off of a real, real event uh, by a guy named John Silvera, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing his right. The interesting thing, guys, is that John Silvera is actually in the movie. Did you guys know that? Yeah. Steve did know that. Who is he's he? The old Steve? guy that checks his mail at the post office. He's yep. The old guy <laughs> who checks the mail. The, uh, the 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 guy that's supposed to be the time traveler, according to. Our main character is like that, that he fits the bill, Correct. right? Correct. That, that's hilarious. And the irony of that character being the one who is that, that he says that about and that he is checking his mail at the post office at his P.O. box. He was working for uh, Backwoods Home Magazine. <laughs> and that just starts it off bad right there. All right. Um, and Classic. his publisher um, had asked they they were they were they were short on on content and he'd asked John to come up with some jokes or riddles which John apparently always had normally done and so one night he couldn't come up with anything and so he was desperate so he wrote some classified ads and he came up with two and he wrote one that was personal and it was it just it was said I was looking for a girlfriend and the other was the time travel ad and so in the original ad it's literally word for word what the ad is in safety not guaranteed only in real life, the ad also had a P.O. box that you could send you know, letters to. He received, he said, over, he's received over a thousand letters to the time travel ad. And he's gotten like five for the, the personal ad. <laughs> and he said, he said he's gotten four from women and one from a gay guy. Um, <laughs> oh my he said that the responses to the time travel ad still never end, even though the ad's gone out of the paper, right? It's on the, it's on the internet. He said that he's gotten letters from guys who've given him a list of sophisticated weapons they could bring along with their credentials. He's gotten letters from black belts, um, people with explosives expertise, language skills, 
Um, people who assure him they can pretty much take care of themselves. He said that he's gotten letters from people who wanted him to help them correct a past tragedy. He said dozens of them have written him from prison, asking to go back in time and talk them out of committing a crime. Others, he said, begged him to go back and save a loved one from a tragic death. He said those were so heartbreaking that he couldn't even read them, and he almost felt shame for placing some sort of anticipation of hope or false hope in their heart. But he said, on the other hand, he's also gotten letters from people who, he says, despite postal regulations, threatened him with either bodily harm or death if it turned out to be a joke or a scam. <laughs> wow. And, and uh, awesome. he's, I know. So he's speaking about this, and he says that even though he's revealed it now, you know, obviously as a joke, um, he's going to just leave the post office box up, and he thinks that it truly will continue to receive letters until the end of time. And he said, probably the only words I've ever written in my entire life, even though I've been writing the whole thing, the only words that are going to, these are the only words that are going to outlive me is, you know, safety not guaranteed in this ad. Um, and he said, he wrapped, he was wrapping up this interview and I just thought this was really great. And he said, in the meantime, it's 13 years later and I still need a girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> so great guy super cool story and i tell you what that makes That's this awesome. movie even more enjoyable to me i think mm -hmm. knowing so that. now this was this was based out of seattle right or a suburb of seattle mm -hmm. yeah that's one of my favorite things about the story too is it's set in seattle and a suburb uh, you know the the setting is they the, the magazine is in seattle proper and then they go off into the suburbs well i was yeah. i was just gonna say what what based on some of the letters he got, what kind of weirdos are you up there? <laughs> well, well, the real, the real West guy Coast not hippies. In, the real guy's not in Seattle. <laughs> okay, he's in Portland. <laughs> Just, oh, well, West. That, makes, that makes sense. We don't do that down south. <laughs> I appreciate you sharing that, Aaron. And what's interesting about that story is the response. I mean, and how it's continuous, how people are, whether it's because they want to be funny or whether this wide range of reasons why people have responded to this ad seems to be in some ways to meet some kind of hilarious need that they have to be therapeutic in some ways, to be mean or whatever. But there is a response to this. And the intriguing part about this is this aspect of time travel. And you mentioned earlier, Steve, that when we really get down to it, this isn't a time travel movie. That was the, the hook that at least indirectly got people interested in, hey. And so the question, the mystery that was trying to be solved throughout the film was two things. One, is this guy crazy nuts? And if not, how has he solved this, this time travel thing? And so I really wanted to kind of wrap up the discussion by asking a question about the ending. Uh, well, actually, two questions. One, did they actually time travel? And two, if they did, did that spoil you guys' response or reaction to the film? So I'll ask the first one and see what you guys think. Do you guys think they actually time traveled? What makes it tougher to answer is the fact that you actually see this boat disappear. Right. Um, sure. You know, if you saw nothing, if you saw nothing but the the reactions of the other characters who mm -hmm. who clearly are reacting to something pretty awesome, uh, if that's all you saw, that would actually be an easier question to answer. Mm -hmm. But since you actually see this boat disappear, I I, I don't I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. 
did they, or, or is it just metaphor for you know this this catharsis that they're feeling for for having found each other, found themselves as kindred spirits, both mm-hmm. both sort of wallowing through life with regrets and grief and loss and stuff like that? Is it is it just symbolic of they are now one and together? If you're gonna put me on the spot, I, I'm gonna say it's symbolic, and I'm gonna say no that they didn't really disappear and end up going somewhere. I, I, th- I think it's all symbolic. Okay. Aaron, what about you? I'm torn. I'm torn. I, here's the thing. I think Trevorrow and the writers put themselves in a, I think they back themselves into it because if you take the route of not showing them time travel and you leave it as it's not real, right? Then yeah, you essentially have created the audience's reaction to the story for you've given them the answers. And I think that it undercuts at that point, the excitement of the mystery. But the other hand is that you can show them disappear or show them time travel. And in a way that also has somewhat of a kind of can have a negative effect because now you've taken what we've expected to be a metaphor and this story about regrets and it's all kind of a and just a an example of, of a thing that he's doing to try and get get rid of these feelings and deal with them into something that's realistic and maybe not as meaningful on that deeper level because it is actually about the time travel so it's it's problematic and it's it was a challenge i don't envy the i i love the story and i think that it's challenge it's such a challenge to get that ending to work for everybody and so that's where i'm at i don't think it will ever work for everybody you are never going to have a consensus on this type of, on this type of movie when you have an ambiguous ending steve you mentioned this at the beginning it took you a while to warm up to ambiguous endings some people will right. never be okay with that <laughs> and they will just be like ah i don't know that's not okay so, you can thank jeff nichols for that exactly yeah <laughs> yeah right for, so, for my love of them I mean. right because he does them so well Mm-hmm. But right. so I personally will say as a time travel fan, I was thrilled to get the ending we got because mm-hmm. I got my time travel <laughs> and <laughs> I, I was okay with the metaphor and the time travel. And frankly, I don't care about the fact that they disappeared. I don't, I don't, I didn't leave the movie thinking about how, Oh, well, I wonder where they went and Oh, this and that. I just see it as a, metaphorical ending to them dealing with their their past and it poofing away as far as it being a problem that's well, kind a, of how i see it there was an interesting line that kenneth said just before they they did do that and he said this time i'm going back for you and i'm not sure i understand what that meant because um, i i took it in the literal sense and i'm like well he's here <laughs> what are you going back for? Her? Right. Are you going back for her for a different? You know what was that? I mean, I saw the urgency to get out of there because the the two worst government agents in the history of government agents were <laughs> were hot on their heels. I never, I would, I would have been more satisfied with those two if they had never, if we had never put faces to them. Just, just give me some, some, you know, murdered out sedans sitting, sitting eerily on street corners <laughs> and stuff like that. I'd have been fine. I right. think the actual addition of those two characters was was kind of useless because you basically have this guy dead to rights and you're not really what do you what are you waiting for at this point you know so i i I thought that was sort of weak to introduce them and to ultimately just have them do nothing i'm sort of in both camps when it comes to whether or not i believe that they did or didn't to me i felt at least in part how i felt after i watched 
the ending of the television show Lost. And I'm not going to spoil anything, but I'll, I'll say that if you've seen it, then you'll, you'll probably understand where I'm coming from, that we have these two major things happening, these two questions that really are being asked throughout the film. You know, will they time travel or is time travel even a, you know, a reality in this world? And intermixed with this beautiful theme of regret and going back and having this kindred spirit relationship kind of blossom. And what we get at the end, I think, is kind of a muddled combination of both. And I didn't feel like it, it wasn't that it was ambiguous. I think that it, it was jumbled for me. Like it felt like had I not seen the boat disappear in the Doctor Who electric light that was that that it was i would have been kind of in the camp of love the metaphor but by by it disappearing and them actually going back in time it kind of cheapened the whole journey of them changing and finding value in living in this moment with each other so i kind of felt like it was I mean, yeah, yes, it was ambiguous, but it wasn't ambiguous in a way that made me think, ah, I wonder what could have happened or what is happening. It made me go pick an ending, guys, and give that to me. I, I think I would have felt satisfied had we seen, you know, the, the boat take off into a vanishing point and a flash of light happen and we get this kind of, okay, what just happened? Instead, we get this scientific kind of, so we just kind of jumped to the conclusion that they achieved time travel or blew themselves up. So I still have trouble with the ending. It doesn't take away from my enjoyment of the film, but it does cheapen it for me a little bit. And I don't know if, if I'm in the minority on that. If I am, then I'll live you know, on my island and, and be okay with that. But A lot of reviews that I've read uh, fall in, into that camp that, that they, they liked it right up until the end, and the end sort of, sort of lost it for them. So I, you're certainly not alone in that. Yay for time travel. I figured it disappeared. I mean, the, the budget was so low, there probably wasn't even any money for gas for the boat, so they couldn't do the off into the sunset. <laughs> They'll use the magic words, we'll fix it in oh. post. That's what they did. <laughs> we'll fix it in post. That's it. <laughs> so, Kenneth. Okay. Should the revelations of Kenneth there in the, in that final act, when, when we find out that... Uh, that his girlfriend isn't really dead, that, that, that he's the one who actually, uh, he thinks that she died from some idiot that crashes his car into her living room when we find out that apparently that was him. So apparently this, this guy snapped mentally. I mean, we could say he was definitely eccentric, a little bit odd going up, but, but, but we discover that, that it goes a little deeper than that, I think, with some of those revelations. But it doesn't really doesn't really alter anything. In, ultimately, I think in in the relationship with Darius and him, in the end, I mean, at first she's a little taken aback for it, but but should it have? Because I feel like I feel like that's a pretty significant red flag if I'm Darius, and then that that maybe I'm maybe I'm going to back away here quickly. Um, yeah. Would you guys would you guys take about the revelations we find out about Kenneth, and how did that alter or shape your thoughts at the end? Aaron, you want to answer that first, or you want me to? Well, yeah, sure. I mean, I'll say I don't think it was a wise choice to necessarily follow him in the way she did. However, I guess my personal take on dealing with someone that has a clear mental illness at this point, she is loving and caring and listening, right? And those are kind of the things that you are going to want to be. 
Mm-hmm. But there is also a level of enabling that she was doing. And there's a responsibility that comes with that. If you're going to allow yourself, if you're going to play up his feelings and not have him meet it head on. I mean, she almost becomes a therapist, like through actions by being by his side and, and going on the agreeing and finishing this journey with him. And so I think it's not something I would ever encourage people to do in real life, but it worked in the context of the movie. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I don't think she had anything to lose at this point. We we get a setup from her that she's living I don't know if she's living at home with her dad, but clearly she doesn't have much of a productive life. In fact he makes fun of her for it. But I think that because we have that setup, we are sort of not thinking a lot about how his actions can be dangerous to her. Because I don't think that of course, you know, if it's mental illness or whatever, his intentions are good. And I think that that's kind of what we gravitate towards is this virtuous relationship that they both have. And they, to use a very cliche phrase, they complete each other in a lot of ways because she's broken too. I mean, she didn't lose a boyfriend. She lost something else. We can all agree that when two people connect with a kind of a me too mentality, either over a loss of something or someone or a traumatic event, that tends to supersede some of the logic that exists in in a relationship. Sometimes it's not a great thing. Sometimes it is a great thing, but trauma and and connecting points like that, you know, having that me too mentality, I think they both were able to find that common ground and I think that's why she sticks with him because she believes that common ground is a lot more valuable than maybe his past or even present actions. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100 100%. Um Aaron, you said where how, how she acts as a therapist for him. I would say that's equally equally that he acts as one for her as well. And, and then I think that's where I landed at the end too. It's like, all right, I get this guy and, and I'm, I'm just as broken as he, and as he is and, and who am I to judge and, and I like him. And he likes me and, and let's, let's just see where it goes. Well, did you guys have anything else that you wanted to cover before we wrap this episode up? No, nope. go see uh-huh. it or go go rent it or or something. But uh, definitely check it out. It's one of those it's one of those little indies that that as film fans we we need to be championing. Um, and, you know, regardless of where you're where you fall at the end of it, it's definitely something you need to see. It'll it'll make you think about your regrets. That's for sure too. I mean, it will. I don't think you can watch this and not have it resonate with your own life and your own history on some level. Well, Steve, thank you so much for being on tonight uh, and for oh, helping great. us. Where can uh, where can people find you if they want to talk more about this film or other stuff and get to know you a little bit more? Uh, well, I, I'm pretty much spending my time 50-50 between uh, Feel and Film and uh, PopcornConfessional.com. Uh, um, there's also a Facebook, uh, uh, Facebook slash Popcorn Confessional. Or on Twitter at Wooster BBB. That's W O O S T E R B B B for uh, all sorts of shenanigans and tomfoolery. Nice. <laughs> Aaron, what about you? Well, as always, I can be found all over the internet at Aaron L. White, A A R O N E L W H I T E. That's on Twitter and Facebook and pretty much everywhere else, Instagram, and the list goes on and on. Uh, you can always find me in the Facebook group as well. 
Uh, there's links to that in our show notes and on our blogs and on our website and on our Facebook page itself. We put that Facebook group link everywhere we can because that's where we want you all to come join us and talk about movies. So come let us know what you thought about Safety Not Guaranteed. All right. And if you want to get a hold of me or talk more about this film or other stuff that uh, we have going on in the uh, world of feeling film, you can find me at Shoeless Patch, S-H-O-E-L-E-S-S. P-A-T-C-H, I'm at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at that same handle. Love to continue this conversation or start new ones. Uh, at this point, if you've been a regular listener, you know enough about all of us, and uh, you can just chat us up on the things that we love to talk about uh, or things that you love to talk about. We are always about continuing and starting conversations when it comes to film and whatnot. So as we always say, stay positive And keep feeling film.